It's the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. NBA special today with Rafael Geller, friend of the show, NBA friend of the show over in Israel. We're going to talk about all things NBA playoffs. Raf had to get his Clippers mention in at the end, but don't worry. We're going straight into the big series at the moment. Boston 3-2 up against the Wizards. And the other one going on, San Antonio, 3-2 up now against the Rockets. The Jazz swept by the Warriors and the Raptors swept by the Cavs. What is the future in Toronto? We're going to get into all of that. And of course, the typical debate, who is better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Everyone talks about it. Why shouldn't we? All that coming up. If you want to get in touch with the show, I'm at Max underscore Whittle on Twitter. Please send in your questions and comments. I'd love to hear from you. So let's get to Rafael Geller, NBA playoffs. It's a fun time of the year, unless, of course, you're listening to 90% of the media who currently think the NBA is boring. Here we go. Well, it's been a long time since we had Rafael Geller on the podcast because the NBA playoffs are pretty much over halfway now. Uh, or just about coming up to halfway, and thought I'd give him a call. So, Mr. Rafael Geller, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back on in the, the best time of the year, as they say. Yeah, the best time of the year, except that's not what that's not been the rhetoric, has it, so far in these playoffs? I, I must say, first of all, I'm tired of the rhetoric of this is a boring playoff set, because even if it is... I don't see anyone who wants Toronto to upset Cleveland or Houston to go through to the finals. I, I know that people want Golden State Cleveland and I'm willing to take these dull series just so we can get back to that point. Yeah, I mean I agree. I it's pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious. Uh well, I guess you can't say it's pretty obvious after the Rockets uh, you know, are, are having like a, a very nice run, but um yeah, I I think uh, that America and obviously you're in the UK, so I guess you could say the world wants the Cavs, Golden State. Um, but you know, you go to the East Coast and you get to Boston. You know, the, all the Celtics fans will be back. I uh, will be very happy to be back in the finals after the, the great teams that have been there that have really been totally ripped apart over the years. Um, but uh, we'll see. There's some interesting series that I'm sure we'll get to, and anything can happen. Yeah, let's talk about Boston-Washington first, because current as we record this, the, the game six is tonight, so we'll get this up a few hours beforehand. Um, it's 3-2 to the Celtics right now. There's been It's been a, an interesting series, because you've had the 90s-style physicality. You had Kelly Oubre knocking over Kelly Olynyk, and he was suspended for game five. John Wall against Isaiah Thomas. It's been a really tough battle and two excellent point guards. The crazy thing for this series, though, is there's been so many big leads. Like Washington had that 26-0 run. That's more than a run. That's something... I think you've got to attribute a different word to it. The Celtics dominated in, in Game 5 to go 3-2 up. The Wizards at home just blasted Boston. Um, and even in Game 1, Washington started out 16-0 up, and then the Celtics came back to win. So... First of all, what have you made of this series? Is it is it surpassed expectations for you? I mean, it, it's been a fun series, but like, you know, I don't know if you're going to like me saying this, but it, it, it's a rough time for some of the NBA fans who, uh, you know, watch a lot of basketball in the 90s and the early 2000s because uh, these teams just aren't that good. I mean, I know they're, it, you know, this, you look at the Celtics and obviously what Isaiah Thomas is doing uh, it's phenomenal, and you know my hats are off to him, and I think he's a great player. But I don't think that he is, you know, I don't think he's the type of player that 12, 14, 15 years ago was a guy that could do what he's doing now. Maybe that's because 
the NBA has evolved and things like that. But he's, you know, he's when when the team is playing defense, um, he's it's essentially you know playing against four uh, players. He's horrific on defense, and um, you know if you score twenty points and you have five assists and stuff, but but your guard that you're guarding is scoring twenty eight points, then you know you kind of have to look at the situation the way it is and. I just think, you know, with both of these teams, like you said, it, you made a great point about how it's up and down. I just think because none of them are consistent. Um, you know, the Wizards, if you remember, start off horribly. Um, you know, there's lots of talk about maybe, you know, John Wall wasn't the right guy and, and Bradley Beal didn't evolve the way they thought that, that he was going to and all that. And, you know, I think you're just at a point where, well, yep, we're in the playoffs. It, you know, it's, it's game game seven. Um and uh, sorry, game six for the Celtics and the Wizards, and you just kind of—it's—I don't want to—it's not a toss-up because obviously the Celtics have the go-ahead, but I just think that we're in a time where the playoffs aren't exciting as they used to be. I mean, I remember when when you know I remember Golden State Warriors with Baron Davis uh, knocking off the Dallas Mavericks as an A seed, and that was an exciting team, and. I don't know. It's it's just. I mean, I don't want to sound anemic. I don't want to sound all sad about it. But it's it's like you know when the Celtics are one of the top teams in the East. It's it's more about I think Isaiah Thomas having these crazy games and Brad Stevens being a really good coach than actual like good basketball and good players. I mean, it's a team I think they would get smoked by an eight seed of of you know ten years ago in the West. Or even, you know, forget 10 years ago, but five years ago, six years ago, when, if you remember, Max, the teams in the West were getting in with 50 wins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... But I have to respect I have to respect that. Yeah. The, way, the way Boston has built the team, and I read a piece today, actually, that Avery Bradley, when he was 20, 24 years old, he was the longest tenured player on the team because he superseded Ray Allens when he was still there. Uh, and then he had the right. shoulder issues. And so it was down before they reached their final Eastern Conference Finals with that original big three. And he's improved tenfold. They've got draft stock. They could probably be in the Eastern Conference Finals and have the number one pick. But you were mentioning a few things there that I wanted to pick up on. Isaiah Thomas, first of all. Yes, he is a liability on defense. The Celtics give up 110 points per 100 possessions with him on the floor. But what you don't get with many other players, you do get with Thomas. First of all, everything he's been through with his sister China passing away going to the funeral, flying to Tacoma, Washington a couple times between series. The way they started against Chicago, they looked dead and buried. So at 2-0 down against the Bulls, I take your point that this play- this team is just not built for it. And I actually thought Washington were going to be the real challenger to Cleveland, not Boston. Uh, there's been a few things that have been interesting. There. Brad Stevens, first of all, it doesn't seem to be able to figure out his best starting lineup. And then he went again with Amir Johnson starting uh, at center in game five. But Thomas... Everything he does, like setting screens for Al Horford to begin Game 5, setting a pick for, for a guy who's being guarded by Marcin Gortar. They're chasing Thomas around screens. They're double-teaming him. So Thomas sets a pick for Horford to open up space for him to shoot a three, to drive to the hoop, whatever it, whatever it takes. And I admire the way that he plays, and I feel like Bradley has fed off that energy of Thomas, Jay Crowder. Um, they've got some nice pieces, and, and it's, been a, it's been a fun series. Yeah, I mean, they have some nice pieces, uh, for sure. They have some good players, and, I mean, um, it's not taking, you know, obviously Al Horford is a great player that almost any team in the NBA would like to have, and 
Avery Bradley's story has been interesting. You know, he used to, uh, he actually played in Israel for a little bit um, about six years ago, five years ago, um, for a bold Jerusalem, the team that now Amari, Amari Stoudemire plays. So I remember him from his time in Israel. Yeah, and you have all these players that you mentioned, and uh, I know Amir Johnson very well from his time in Toronto, um, and Marcus Smart's been like a nice young player that's come up. But it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's it's one of those things where you, you look at the team and let's say they get by um, it, with the Cavs in playoff mode and LeBron locked in, it's hard to get excited about that kind of Easter conference finals. Even if it's the Wizards, I mean, I don't know. I just used to, It used to be more exciting, you know. You, what's kind of funny, and I think, you know, and, and this is going to come off as my, my Indiana bias, but it's really true, is if you look at the games the Pacers played against the Cavs, that first round, yeah, I know it was a sweep. Yep, I'm more aware than anyone else because I stayed up very late to watch all those games. But Indiana gave them a fight, um, like an actual fight. Yes, they lost every game, but they actually gave them a fight, and they actually, to me, are a team that, you know, if you can keep uh, Paul George, which obviously is very difficult, but if you can keep Paul George, um, there's lots of interesting I mean, Miles oh come on! Team, if you right? if you if you're gonna diss the Celtics, you can't possibly rile up for the Pacers. I mean, there's so many questions well, about Pacers, that team. The, no, but the fine. But the Pacers have a superstar. The Pacers have a superstar, not a star. Isaiah Thomas is not a superstar. With all due respect, he never will be a superstar. Boston do need a big name. Like a I agree. Superstar. Boston need a big name. But I think this series is one particularly that we can't say has not been. An interesting watch and not been as fun as the as the past. Yeah, and of course. It's, Pacers Cavs was yeah. was pretty much a dud. I mean, you had CJ Miles tried to win game no. one. After that, look at the scores. Look at the scores. It was close games until in the fourth quarter every single. So game. in that in that the respect, Pacers. we can say that Raptors Cavs Warriors Jazz were boring. But relatively speaking, Ro- Rocket Spurs they have were, been fun. That's been close. Yeah, no, Rocket Spurs great, but uh, Warriors Jazz. I mean. You're talking, Warriors is our team that maybe are a couple of years away from doing something, and they have a relatively new coach that no one really gave a chance to when Kuhn Snyder. Um, and you have Joe Johnson, who's at the end of his career kind of making big shots to them. And obviously Gordon Hayward is a great player, but another another one of those players that you need another piece to, to help him with. I don't know if maybe my argument is that there's not as many good players in the NBA anymore as there used to be. I don't know if that's what I'm trying to say, but... Um, well, LeBron James has certainly mastered this. I think it's the most difficult period in the NBA. It's been a huge transition and style of play. I, I feel like we're getting a, a little bit off topic with the Celtics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Specifically, yeah. though, I just wanted to lock you in yeah. on a few more things before we move on. Um, because it just seemed that, you know, if, if, if Amir Johnson doesn't rebound better, then I think it's a waste of time for Stevens. At least it was before game five. I Meaning he's smart, he does the dirty work, but he needs to do that a little bit better. And the other stuff, you know, Boston had to start cleaning up the turnovers and they had to start rebounding. They did that in the last game. And for the Wizards, they've got a huge presence. That starting five is so big. Morris, Gortar, Beal, Wall. But you need to get to the bench because it's similar to what Rockets are, the Rockets are having troubles with right now. You know, you're asking a question of the Washington Wizards. Who is the starting Back, sorry, the backup point guard, Satoransky. You know, Brandon Jennings is terrible on defense. Trey Burke, it looks like he'll be out of the league next season. That's, that's yeah. another thing to look at. But I expected more from Washington because 
I know both of these teams have beaten Cleveland this season, but I was in Boston for the Celtics-Cavs game, final matchup between them in the regular season, and the Celtics were smoked. They were run out of their own building. Washington beat the Cavs on the road. They were beaten at home by that LeBron buzzer beater, if you remember. Uh, but they, they mm-hmm. give up a tough fight, and I think they match up better against Cleveland. Um, but I guess Boston has more depth at the moment in this series. Their bench is, is nice compared to the Wizards. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think depth is the right word. And I think, um, you know, I think if you look at the Wizards and, um, and the, the kind of core that they have, I mean, John Wall is still very young. Um, you know, we're not talking about football here. We're talking about basketball. I think, uh, I don't know, he's between 25 and 27. I think, I just, I'm trying to, if he was, whatever, he's between 25 and 27. People who are interested, they can look up his exact age, but he, um, you know, actually, I'll look it up right now because things like that really bother me. I was, or, but, I was already uh, on it. Keep talking, I'll tell you. Okay. Um, but, you know, that age, for the kind of games that he's produced in this John Wall is 26. Okay. He's very young. Very young. Um, you know, if, if you – I don't want to say if you add more pieces because I feel like I'm saying that about every team. But Bradley Beal for a little bit didn't have that growth uh, that we expected. And then he kind of – you know, then it kind of happened relatively quickly. Um, and I think the, the most interesting guy, we haven't, I don't even think either of us have mentioned the name, is Otto Porter Jr., who, when he came out of college, you know, at Georgetown, he was an All-American, um, and he was one of those guys that, like, was really, really good in college, but people are like, you know, with his body um, and the way he kind of, you know, can move around really well in his athleticism, he could really be a good player in the NBA. And we didn't really see that um, at the beginning of his career, and He's one of these guys that's improving every year in points per game. And I think that if he, you know, if he if he could up his game a little bit and and kind of you know become uh, that big three for them, their own big three. That's a very young core of players that has a lot, a lot of potential, and that you can add more veterans around, and maybe you can make a trade for one more star. Um, and of course, we you know Gortat, we talked about him. There's there's not a lot of better guy, you know, not many guys in the NBA who can you know, push over their uh, players to get rebounds. But, you know, his his uh, his age is catching up then. He's been in the league for a while. But that's a great uh, that's a great addition because you're talking about Porter, who's one of the best three-point shooters this season. Beal has become great. He's, been, he's had such a fine season coming off screens, shooting the ball, creating his own offense. And, and another thing that he adapted to in this series was when he had the matchup with Thomas, Bill started to back him down into the paint, and it didn't. It didn't look right. Bill just hasn't worked on that side of his game. So, last night or a couple of nights before, he started to attack Thomas straight up when he had him on him. Then you've got Ubre, who's improving. John Wall has improved his shot. So, you have the pieces to work in the NBA, and you saw how it worked with the Celtics. Avery Bradley and Al Horford had huge games in Game Five. They were shooting the three, and that's again an a, an essential part of the the game right now. Um, and and wiz- the Wizards seem to have more of those weapons, but they're not putting it all together. But we're going to see, because I, j- I just saw a stat that the Wizards is 0-7 the last seven games with elimination games. So, you know, can they pull out or not? I don't know. I'd like to see a game seven. Um, I want to shift it to Houston San, Ant- uh, Houston, San Antonio, though. The Spurs, 3-2 up. No, no Kawhi Leonard in, in majority of the qu- fourth quarter and into overtime in game five, and they still pulled it out. It was there for the Rockets. And this, for me, is the most... Interesting series. I want to talk about the recent game, the game five, first of all. 
And let's start with James Harden because, you know, I think he's had a lot of flack after this game. He is the reason why the Rockets are where they are. Uh, he had nine turnovers in game five and he went a little bit hard and ball like we saw last season. The way they were playing at the end of this game was exactly the opposite of Mike D'Antoni's offense, which was to play the, play the ball all the way down to the five second shot clock and then they would try and hoist the shot. They would rush it. Whereas their game is get threes, get layups, get free throws. And they weren't doing that to finish the game. So I get the criticism of James Harden, but all the columnists that are writing these articles about why James Harden will get fatigued at the end and he'll never get you past a certain point, they didn't predict that before game five. He, he got them this far. So I think they need to lay off James Harden. But for San Antonio, the defensive adjustments have been amazing. When you, when you look at the fact that they're not fouling at all, they're not fouling the Rockets, they're not fouling out and they're doing something they didn't do in the regular season, which was to rebound defensively. They've rebounded 29% of their misses as well. So helping themselves out in that respect. And without Tony Parker as well, pretty impressive that they can go on the road and snatch one and then, and then go up 3-2 here. Yeah, but, you know, you're talking about Pop, who, um, you know, oh, sorry if you can hear that thing, I'll take that off. But you're talking about one of the, the greatest, minds in forget basketball i don't even but in, in sports but yeah i mean going quickly going back to what you were saying about um you know about james harden um i've you know i've always had my issues with him uh i've gone up and down in what i think of him but this year i think he's really for the most part proved how valuable of a player he is and the fact i mean I don't know. Did you let me ask you? Did you expect this series to go down to the wire? I think some people would have said, even you know, even with all the things going on with the Spurs, with the injuries and all that, that I've been impressed with the way the Rockets have been able, uh, you know, to play. Even with the Marcus Aldridge game, a lot of hate. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, um, I I had the Rockets in six because although the Spurs oh, wow. finished. Yeah, because okay. the, the Spurs finished second in the, in the standings, obviously, in the West, and they've got Greg Popovich. But Houston were playing with so much confidence. I thought they were going to outrun them. There were a couple of moments in this series where you just saw the transformation of Harden's game, where at one point, Capella took a shot, and it, it cannoned off the back of the rim. It went right into the air, and James Harden was under the ball. He collected the rebound, and he had pretty much eight feet from the ba- him in the basket. And last season, he would have put that straight back up and tried to score. He had Eric Gordon wide open on the three-point line. And, uh, and James Harden automatically thinks now, I could see Gordon on the wing. That's one extra point that what I'm going to get. I'm going to swing it out. And he does that so well now. And he, I think he's harder to scheme for than Westbrook because he will give the ball up so much earlier. So that's why I had them in, in six, the way they play in transition. But like I said, the Spurs have made so many adjustments and, and, and it's fascinating when you see how Povich adjusts game to game, guarding James Harden, the pick and roll, for instance. So at first in the game one, they were, they were switching on everything to Spurs. But then now what they're doing, if you go back and watch game five, if James Harden is in a pick and roll, the Spurs big man who's defending the guy screening, he will just hang back and he'll make sure that Harden comes to him has to play through traffic, has to either pass or shoot over the big. And it really affected how he, he controlled the ball. Like I said, nine turnovers. So the way they've adjusted hasn't surprised me. But especially when when Parker went down, I thought, OK, this is the Rockets series to lose. And evidently, they should have taken game five and gone back to Houston to try and seal it. But, you know, I, I'm, you, you can never count the Spurs, right? I also thought, you know, I, I think I, I think you 
you you look at like the the type of team uh, that the Rockets have this year, and they have so many shooters that it's it's very you know it's, you almost don't know what, where it's going to come from, and they're very very hard to defend against. And if James Harden uh, drives in, and, and you know two defenders come on him, and he can pass it out to Gordon or Ryan Anderson or or Lou Williams, etc. And it's such a it's such a I, it's such a shooting team that I don't think they, they have enough uh, down low. And I think that's, that's something that has really cost them uh, the whole series. Um, yes, you know, James, James Harden gets the rebounds and stuff, but having an inside game, that's something uh, that you need, you need to win. And, yeah, again, LaMarcus Aldridge got a lot of flack for, you know, not showing up for the Spurs. But you have to give him credit. Uh, since that criticism, he's had some monster games. He's looked good. Uh, I think, and I think most people listening would probably agree with me that I think, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge's time in Portland was a bit overrated. For example, I think if you ask a Trailblazer fan right now, you know, out of the two superstars that you had over the last 10 years, would would you rather have Damian Lillard or would you rather have LaMarcus Aldridge? And I think 9 out of 10 people will say uh, Damian. So I think, you know, yet obviously got the huge contract and the most buzz this season, this this past off season with with the contract and um, you know what what kind of uh, player he was going to be with the Spurs. But I think he we're kind of seeing that he's not um, you know not necessarily as good as as people think that he was. But you know he's he's come up he's come up really big the last few games and. That's something that mentally, you know, when when on, ever, forget Twitter, but when you see that everyone's ripping you, um, and when you see that that everyone's criticizing you, um, it's it's sometimes difficult to come back from that. We have lots of players in the NBA who don't come back from that, but this is what I guess is his second season um, with the Spurs, and it's it's adjusting to to Popovich's style of play. I mean, he obviously had Tim Duncan last year. This year, it's more him down there. Um, He's just not shooting as well. Like, I think him and yeah. Aldridge and Parker had their worst shooting season since their rookie year. And I agree with you. Portland fans would say Lillard now. But when Aldridge left, it felt like the NBA was still in its big men are still relevant stage, right? So now you're thinking, no way would I take Aldridge over Lillard. And you mentioned the Rockets' threes. So they took 43s a game on average during the regular season. 26 of those, or 65%, were catch and shoot. They're taking 38 threes in the playoffs, and half of them are off the dribble. And that's, again, not the D'Antoni way. Whereas Popovich, in game one, and you cannot underestimate this guy. So I say every year LeBron James is the MVP. Well, every year Greg Popovich should be coach of the year. For things like Danny Green, he fouled James Harden on a pick and roll. You know that thing where Harden... Gets, gets his arm trapped under the defender's arm and he'll hoist up a shot and get the foul for it and shoot three three throws. Well, Danny Green got the foul early doors. Obviously, that was a game plan of the Spurs to not get in foul trouble that way. And Paulovic just yanked him, just said, right, I know this is the postseason. I don't care. You're going to see it. That's discipline. And that made... And you can see him on the sideline when someone's guarding James Harden. He's He's got his hands in the air. He's saying to his defenders, keep your hands up. Don't, don't get into that foul trouble. And another one as well, Raph, I, I mentioned Parker going out that maybe should have helped the Rockets more. But actually, 
it can help the Spurs because Paddy Mills is a better option for them. In, in, in this time capsule of the playoffs, the fact that Mills can score better, he's younger, he's fresher, he knows the system. And in game five, he was shooting the lights out. And, you know, when you've got the Houston team, seven-man rotation, you know, with Williams and Anderson on the bench, fatigue is an issue. And when you've got Mills going up and down with Kawhi Leonard and some younger legs, it doesn't help the Rockets. So fatigue is another thing that really has come into this series because of uh, obviously Nene going down, and I never thought I'd say that. And, you know, no one knows what the status of Sam Decker is. So seven guys, you know, you, you can blame it all on Harden you want, but he's carrying seven players. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think we talked about that enough. Playing in such a short rotation in the regular season would be a difficult thing. But doing it against, uh, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, who have the best coach in the NBA, doesn't matter who wins the award every year. He is the best coach in the NBA. Um, because you just look at all, I mean, you look at a player like Patty Mills, for example, so many teams in the NBA had a chance to take him. Um, anyone who watched him at college in St. Mary's knew he was a very special player. There's been a lot of good uh, players that have come out of that conference. Obviously, Gonzaga is also in the same conference as uh, St. Mary's. At least they, they used to be. So many things have changed the last few years in the conferences. Um, but the fact that, uh, you know, when things didn't really work out in Portland uh, for Patty Mills, that Popovich was able to snap up, snap Patty Mills up and kind of mold him into this player that's kind of his type of player. It's very similar to the system, you know, that we see with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, that he finds the type of player that, fit, that kind of fits his system and he makes him into a star. And he kind of, I mean, that's what coaching is, essentially, is, is taking a player and, and getting the best out of them. I think if you take Patty Mills now and put him on several different teams in NBA, I don't think he'd have the same type of value uh, that he brings to the Spurs. And that's a lot because of, the way Popovich knows how to use him, um, but you know we you know we didn't talk about uh, Leonard obviously Kawhi Leonard who I think um, you know I don't want to say he's the best player in the NBA right now because that's that's a you know there's so many you know there's three or four five three or four players really that you can kind of argue whether it's Russ or or Harden um, or LeBron, but. Um, he's the one I'm the most excited about because he's the youngest out of the ones we named, and he's a guy who, with Popovich as his coach for a while, hopefully, if Popovich doesn't retire anytime soon, um, he has the potential to to be uh, I don't, a, a superstar in, in the sense of, um, what, what am I trying to say? That kind of player that really has it all. I mean, you know, does Westbrook really have it all in terms of, of uh, you know, watching him getting the triple doubles and him having the assist? Well, the other question on that is: Would you play? Would you rather play with Westbrook or Leonard? Because Westbrook won't. The, his style of play, Leonard will do. Leonard, there's some possessions where Leonard doesn't even touch the ball, but he's doing so much that's right. integral to that system. You know, he'll block a shot, he'll bring it up in transition, he'll give it up, he'll set a screen, he'll curl off a pick and roll, and he'll shoot a three, and he'll always get you a shot. He's the guy that the Spurs go to to get a bucket. He can post up. He's got that lovely pop and you know stop and pop shot. Right, it's great on defense Which is as exactly, well. I, exactly. I I would uh, take Leonard uh, every day, all day, just because you're talking about the best defensive player in the NBA. Period. Draymond um, Green. I would. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I mm, di- this season you know, he was phenomenal. 
Okay, yeah. But, but I get so what I'm, you're saying. All-round guy. Yeah. All-around guy, I, there's not a better player. I mean, when you want, when you need a lockdown defender for that possession at the end of the game, he is the best guy for it. Um, Draymond Green is not, not because of um, Draymond Green, but because of his body. I mean, he's a big guy. He can't, you know, yeah, he's defied the stereotype by being able to do so much at his height, but you're talking about this kind of player that really can defend anyone, being six foot seven and being a small forward and being able to. I mean, you know what I'm saying. He's, I, I haven't seen a defender like him in a long time. We should. And, I say we should go into Green right. in the Golden State series because look, what he does yeah. instinctively, Green is better than Leonard, I think, and he can guard the center position. But Leonard has the big hands. He can get you on the wing, he can get you down low, and then he can go and score at the other end. And I, I agree with you. I think Kawhi Leonard, all around, is the best player in the league. I think he can do it all, but that's that's not a sexy thing to say because we've got you know, Kawhi Leonard who doesn't say anything. He doesn't give interviews. He's not, he does it with class, but he is a San Antonio player. He's a Tim Duncan num- version two, which is why we right, don't he's talk about Tim it. Duncan. Yeah, exactly, it, but that's how some of these players want it. I mean, Tim Duncan was always okay with the way it was, you know, David Robinson before him. Um, he's going to be there for a very, very long time. Um, especially, I mean, obviously the more pop stays there. For me, it's just crazy, um, you know, how, how the Pacers gave up on him so quickly and such a stupid trade if you look at it now. But that's, that's a whole other issue. Um, Your Pacers. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. in, in this series, though, you, you know, you would never have said that Danny Green, Paddy Mills, Jonathan Simmons would have been your the guys that really turned the series around because it's true. If you if you go back and watch Game Five, every time Jonathan Simmons or Patty Mills or uh, anyone that had the ball against James Harden, they went straight at him. They they attacked him relentlessly. And Simmons has been such a key factor in this. And and another another strange thing that Pop does is when Parker goes down. He starts Deontay Murray at point guard, and, and then Mills finally started in game five. But he sees Mills as someone who always comes off the bench, and this is little things that you would always question usually, but with Pop, it's like, okay, it's like Bell Belichick in the, in the NFL. You just you kind of just go with it. If he makes a move, you trust that it's fine. I don't know where he keeps plucking these guys from as well. Kawhi is just like yeah, Tim Duncan, I mean, like you say. Is it like they draft them with knowing that they're going to be a Spurs player, or do they have to kind of convert them into being this way? I don't know. I mean, you know, you have in America, you have the ability to watch a lot of college basketball on TV. Obviously, these guys get tapes and stuff like that. But my point is, is that with the globalization, the way things are, you know, Popovich could be watching college basketball for two years. See a player like Leonard at um, San Diego State, who's not getting as much games maybe on TV, but is getting the occasional big game. People know who he is. And he could say, you know, to his coaching staff and to his scouting staff that, he can already see at the age of 20, based on on some of the things that that uh, the Kawhi is doing in college, that this guy is the type of guy that he would want, and uh, you know he'll get his front office to make the trade for him, and that's what makes you a special coach, I think, because you you know yes you have a GM in the NBA, and the GM obviously works with 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 the whole staff, and the GM is the one who gets a lot of credit when they you know executive of the year. And, but at the same time, Popovich has a lot, a lot, a lot of power there. And it's clear that when they traded for Leonard, he had the vision of what kind of player that 
Kawhi could be. And to be really honest, I mean, I lost. I remember him very a lot from college. There are some other really good players on that San Diego State team who people were more excited about as pros, and they're now playing overseas in Europe. So it's having the eye. I mean, it's, you know, you look at Tom Brady, for example, with with the passing so many receivers that have gone through there and cornerbacks who are undrafted or sixth round or fifth round. It's similar with the Spurs. I mean, you, you look you, – Danny Green is a, is a phenomenal example of how a player went from almost, you know, I always, you know, coming to Israel, um, you know, being – playing in, in front of 100 people in the gym to um, becoming a really, really, really exciting player that you can really count on. And uh, Yeah, and usually Green is just a – a fourth or fifth guy on any team, but he seems to have such a big impact, especially in this series. And switching sports again, I'm reading a book at the moment about Chicago Cubs and how they won it all last season. It was this five-year project. And the GM, Theo Epstein, just went on holistical values. If he's going to get his core players when he's when he gets that job, he's, building, he's buying players and, and drafting guys who have great character. And, and that's first and foremost. And that's what San Antonio thrived on and it is a gr- it is one of the greatest runs we've seen in sports history. And, and by the way, of course, before we, uh, oh, yeah. before we before we go on, Ginobili is now third on playoff threes all time behind Ray Allen, and I for- I'm forgetting the other one. So that's that's useful. But yeah, that's third on the all time list. Pretty pretty uh, impressive. And he blocks James Harden at the end to to finish the game out. And he's still doing it. And you know you know Ginobili's going to go left every single time. Even if he gives you that right fake, you know he's going left in the end, but still defenders have an, have an issue with it, even when he's touching 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at... Reggie Miller, by um, the way. Sorry, just popped up. Yeah, that, that's what I figured. Uh, I think when you're looking at a player like Ginobili, um, I think, you know, when we're in our... In the next couple of generations, when we're in our 60s, Max, uh, he might go down as one of the most underrated... Uh, players in NBA history because I believe he only has two or three all-star appearances. That's when they always joke around with my friends. And he's a guy who's come up so big in the playoffs and in big games. And he's a high-character guy. And another guy, um, you know, that that pop uh, picked at the end of the draft. Another guy that nobody really wanted. People thought he was going to be a European uh, stash. He wasn't going to do anything. And um, he brought him up. I think he came from Spain or Italy. I don't remember right now. Um, but I remember actually watching in Europe because it, it was when uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv were really, really one of the top teams in Europe. Now they've kind of fallen. But uh, he's an amazing coach. Uh, I, you know, I think he's the best coach in all sports, in my opinion, even more than Belichick, just because he's been able to do it now. With you know, in football, he's kind of had Tom Brady as his as his face the whole time. But with Ginobili, he's been able to do it now with different generations. And, yeah, people who are past friends would say, well, you know, you've had different wide receivers that Brady's thrown it to. But Brady's kind of always been his guy. Pop, you know, had the David Robinson and uh, then obviously Tim Duncan now. Even Tim Duncan the last few years wasn't the same Tim Duncan, obviously. So he's had different generations consistently, you know, be a 55, 60, 60 60-plus win team and um, I think when he leaves the NBA I think we're really really going to miss him as much as people call his basketball 
Oh, boy. I, I, no, I agree. And, and Ginobili just finally, f- four championships, only a two-time All-Star, but one of, one of the great careers off the bench majority, for the majority. He's, he won the Sixth Man of the Year Award in 08. You know, EuroLeague champion, Italy, and he's got a gold medal, the 2004 Olympics. So, you know, Italian League MVP twice. So everything, he, his career has been phenomenal, really has. And he's, he's 40 in yeah. July, by the way. So um, Golden State, Utah, we'll, we'll, we'll fly through the other two series because they're done now. And it just feels like we're on a collision course to have Golden State, Cleveland. But I think the important thing to talk about, discuss with this series was, and, and also just the entire playoff so far for the Warriors, Draymond Green has just took it to another level. His defense on the pick and roll, his communication, the Warriors' switchability is amazing in general because they have, I think, 10 players between 6'6 six six and 6'9, six so they, they're able to switch everything. But Green, when you watch him closely, just follow him on, a, on a, any particular play. He'll switch from his guy he's guarding on the wing. It could be Gordon Hayward. It could be, you know, Shelvin Mack, whatever it is. Switches onto Rudy Gobert. Boxes him out, gets the defensive rebound, pushes the ball up the floor and starts another Warriors transition. So for me, first of all, just Green's impressiveness and the way he's bringing it, it's almost like he is, he's tired of the narrative that if he hadn't got suspended last season in the finals, they would have won it all. He had a great game seven and they still lost. And it's kind of vindication now if they can get it back because he's been, he's been amazing. The way he talks to his teammates, tells everyone where to go, uses his body you know he's not a tall he's not very tall but he can guard every single position if you can go from guarding you know Kawhi Leonard to guarding a great center like Gobert I mean that's just phenomenal versatility you know I, you know I've been uh, a fan I mean you know people listen to your show consistently um, and listen to the podcast last time no I've, college hoops is, is my real passion and at Michigan State, um, you know, Tom Izzo has given some great interviews about uh, Draymond Green, but I got to watch Draymond Green live a few times because I was in Indiana at the time, and we were playing um, Michigan State several times, and he has so much heart. I mean, there's no – I don't know if there's any player right now um, in any sport in the world that has as much heart and passion and, and the belief in himself that he does belong there. And, and you know, yeah, he's, he's – He's a bit, you know, chunky, and yeah, he's short compared to the position he's playing. But he is uh, just an amazing player to watch, and I think that sometimes we we I don't want to say we forget about him because he does get a ton of ton of credit. Let's not go, you know, let's not be too crazy. But with Durant and Curry on the team, he's always kind of going to be in the shadows, and obviously also play. Um, but you could argue, and, and I don't know, it sounds like you might even agree, you could argue he might be the most important player to the team uh, because he's kind of the glue of the team. I mean, Curry's going to do what he's going to do, and Durant's going to do what he's going to do. But Curry and Durant are not going to run around, like you said, and, and defend the way that he is. They're not going to get those crazy and ones um, where you're wondering, like, how the hell did he do that? Uh, it goes twofold, right? I, I, right? I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you because... Not only, I mean, he had three alley-oop blocks in this series where Gobert had a ball chucked up to him at the rim and he just blocks the shot. How can you block a seven-foot-plus alley-oop? And he'll, every time he goes in for a layup and he scores a layup, he'll always shout and one at the referee. He starts the off Warriors offense. He gets Curry and Clay going in that respect too. So I think it works a lot of ways. Players see how much effort he puts on defense. Players are helped by his communication. 
The shooters are helped by the fact that he kickstarts the offense. And he has these little ticks. You know, we saw in the regular season against Sacramento, he was having a big old go at Kevin Durant. And, and after it, it was done. You know, they watched the Super Bowl together and it's fine. And we, the media make a lot of it. But every little thing right. he does. And there was this article at the start of the season uh, in ESPN, the magazine, about how Draymond Green would be the one reason why the Warriors don't, you know, achieve everything they should with, with a guy like Kevin Durant. But he is proven to be the point, the reason why they will succeed because it's just so hard to, if Draymond, the thing we've forgotten to mention here is Draymond Green is shooting 40% in the playoffs from three. If, if Green does that, you, you can't beat, you can't beat Golden State. You just can't. I think that, uh, I think that if, you know, the Warriors can, can keep this batch together for a while, and it looks, I don't know, I mean, there's been so much talk about Thompson leaving and stuff, he he's going to go down as, as the guy who really kept the guys together. I mean, like you said with the Durant story where he kind of, you know, got angry with him. Um, he's the guy, I think, that, that like, the, war, the Warriors, the players respect him, you know, and he's the type of guy who can really call someone out and really get in someone's face. I'm talking about his own teammate, and they'll say, Look, we understand uh, because it's Draymond. I'm not even sure that if Curry did it, I don't even, I can't even see Curry do it. I can't even picture no. him. And Clay is relaxed. Clay is really chill. Right. Durant's never been a guy to to shout. And, no, and, not at all. And Green... Green is that guy, and and we've we've even not mentioned Steve Kerr, who's not who's not been there. And, and please stop writing articles about how much of a great job Mike Brown has done, and and how he was a coach of the year previously. Anyone could coach these Warriors. There are key moments of coaching in a big series, but those big moments haven't come yet for for Mike Brown. They probably will do. But when Steve Kerr is not around, Draymond Green seems to feel like he can take more threes, and at the moment it's working for them. Um, but the, the 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 craziest stat I saw this postseason in the playoffs, the Warriors have spent more time up by at least twenty points, sixty-seven minutes, than they have trailing by any margin, fifty-six minutes. So, and also the 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 talk of you know, uh, I get I get that the Golden State Warriors are more fun to watch without Durant, but they're not a better team without him. <laughs> and it's it's he misses like a couple of games in the first round, and you got people writing that. You know, maybe they're better off without him. Come on. We're already talking about scheming between the Cavs and the Warriors. And we're saying that the Cavaliers, you know, attacked Stephen Curry on the pick and roll. And they tied him out and they wore him down. And that's why they a big portion of why they did win the finals last year. Guess what? Golden State have got Durant as well now. So if you knock Curry out, you've still got Durant to deal with. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it it's... You know, basketball's changing so much that that you have that many good players on the court, and that I don't know if you I don't know if you look at um, you, you you almost think that there's too many egos, and there's you know not that not really that Curry is known as a, as an ego guy, but you have so many different characters on the court, um, and obviously Steve Kerr before all his back injuries is also kind of a very unique character, very lovable guy, very. You know, into you know the, the media and has always been very open to them, and somehow uh, they've made it work. Lots of teams would crumble. There'd be lots of pressure. I mean, we we saw what happened with the Cavs uh, with David Blatt and and like all the stuff about you know if you remember Max and, and I'm sure the audience remembers about uh, Kevin Love being criticized by LeBron and all this stuff that was and LeBron criticizing David Blatt but not really criticizing David Blatt. You don't really see that with the Warriors. They seem like a very very tight 
group, even with all the different things that have going on there and the fact that Curry still hasn't gotten his big contract, and obviously he will. But, you know, he's, I think, now the lowest paid player out of all those guys. I mean, I think he's on something like $12 million a year. And obviously we know that's going to change when the time comes. But the fact that he can still, uh, you know, the fact that it, it, they gel so well is what's impressed me because you know, there were some articles that were saying, you know, with Durant, this team's going to be much worse. How can Curry and Durant be together? You know, two superstar scorers, it's not going to work. And where will Draymond Green? And, and wait a minute, what a, you know, what about Clay Thompson? He also needs to shoot, but they've made it work. Steve Kerr's made it work. And uh, I think, you know, the Cavs, Warriors now, with both both sides fully healthy, and hopefully with the Steve Kerr back, it's very unclear really what's going on. I, I always been reading um, different things about him, and it's very, very sad. It's uh, really hard. Story. It's really, it, you know what, yeah. it's sad because he clearly loves coaching this team, and he's a great coach, and he's, He's built something in Golden State that I think we need to appreciate more because we're talking about how the playoffs are so boring or at least you're hearing so much of that rhetoric and just the way they play basketball and the reasons that people thought they would not win, like Curry having to give up a lot to to fit Durant in. Yes, he did that at the start of the season, but you saw when Durant came was injured and Iguodala kind of played really well. Well, Curry went back to being Curry of his first MVP season but it's fine if you've got that many players who need that many shots. Clay Thompson hasn't complained once. There's a reason why he hasn't come out and said, I'm not getting as many shots as I used to. Draymond Green has had to sacrifice more than anyone, but that's allowed him to be so good defensively. And, and the Warriors, NBA defensively, in the, in the playoffs, sorry, they're number one in defensive rating, opponent field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, deflections, points allowed, and assists allowed by opponent every single statistical category so Steve Kerr has built an environment that's not just about his scorers and about his his shooters it's defense too I and you know quickly on this series as well George Hill was out and that made it more of a blowout than it probably should have been Gordon Hayward is getting shouts at the end of the fourth game you know stay in Utah stay in Utah but at the end of the day the Warriors listened to Steve Kerr's message which was over the phone and in meetings Put the hammer down. Don't give the Jazz any room to breathe. Don't let them steal game four and, and us have to go back to Oakland. The Warriors get rest. Cleveland gets rest and, you know, happy days. Um, real quick on the Cavs-Raptors, though, before we finish up. I think the more interesting thing to talk about is Toronto here because Cleveland is Cleveland. They've been yeah, of course. running Lots through opponents. Um, the only thing I would say before I ask you about the Raptors is... I was really surprised and I had um, a Toronto reporter, Mike Ganter, on the show last week talking about this series when it was 2-0. And I asked him, DeRozan and Lowry after game two, they were asked about you know LeBron and, and, and how they're guarding DeRozan, double teaming him high and trapping him on the screen. And DeRozan was saying, you know, I'll give $100 to anyone who could guard LeBron. And he also said after the series was done that, you know, if we had had LeBron, we would have won. I think that might have been Lowry who said that. But they never, yeah, yeah, they yeah. never riled against it. They never, they never said anything, you know, to anger matters or to say LeBron's beatable. We've got to adjust. They just basically throughout the series admitted that he was amazing and they were struggling to to find a way of getting past it. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, this is something that I'm very you know passionate about because all my family lives in Toronto and I've been going to Raptors games since I was a kid. Um, I think they're going to blow things up. I think, you know, it's been a great run. Um, you know, there's been different patches of the Raptors' history. You know, you had uh, Vince Carter and Variani and 
there's been lots of different times with the Raptors, and now we've had you know Lowry and DeRozan uh, for for a few good years now. But I think it's you know you got to be realistic, and if you want to, yeah, you know you can finish second, third, or fourth in the Eastern Conference, but those guys are are good NBA players, but they're not guys that are gonna that are gonna you know you know forget when the NBA finals, but get you to the finals. Um, you know, have you beat the Cavs or whoever it may be? You know, if it's the Cavs now or the Heat or the or the great Celtics, and I think they're gonna blow things up. And I, I also found it very disrespectful uh, that that they kept you know talking about how great LeBron James is and that if they had LeBron James, they would have won. I mean. You know, teams have been LeBron James. Players have, have locked down LeBron James. He's, he's not a god. He's a basketball player. He's one of the greatest of all time. Yes, but, you know, it, you can't go in front of your, your local media after games and, and really kind of be like, oh, well, we weren't good enough and, and we couldn't guard him. And, you know, it's okay if you say that a little bit, but when that becomes the main message you have, then that doesn't really show – anything towards the fans. I don't think uh, that the GM and the front office were happy with everything they said. I think one of them will for sure be gone. I think that they need to make a lot of changes um, with the Raptors. They, they try to make some trades. I don't think they necessarily uh, worked out this summer. Um, and I think it's a shame because people who don't really understand Toronto don't get how hungry of a sports city it is and the potential. And I think we've kind of seen it on TV with, you know, We the North and the kind of passion that the Raptors fans have had. I don't know if you remember, Max, but all the fans outside of Air Canada yeah. Center, you know, they have thousands of fans. That's, you know, you don't have that anywhere else in any NBA arena. They have thousands of fans outside of the city's really embraced, really, not embraced the Raptors, really embraced their sports teams, whether it's Toronto FC or the Blue Jays who finally made the playoffs after 20-plus years of not making it. And there's so much potential there. Uh, because the people of the city really get behind, and you need to build a team that you think can make it to the finals. And I don't think if you sat down with the heads of Toronto, the owner of Toronto, um, uh, Larry Tenenbaum, and said to him, like, couldn't this team right now make the finals and beat, whether, you know, forget even the, you know, the Cavs, but could this team even beat the Celtics or, or the Wizards? I think the answer is no. Um, you know what? you got to maybe... Yeah. Sorry, Masai, Masai Ujiri, he won't, like, he, he doesn't like to be just good. He doesn't like to be okay. Right. So I he mean, will either go, come from, let's rip this, yeah. let's tear this up, or let's try and, let's, let's go again. Let's re-sign Larry. But you have to remember, if they, they gave the Rosen money, they needed to keep him as their best player, or Larry's their best player, but very valuable, great guy in the city. They love him in Toronto. When they signed Valanciunas again, the center mm. position wasn't, a thing and they gave him a lot of money if they re-sign Lowry mm-hmm. and Ibaka they'll be 30 million or so over the luxury tax I think the offense stops when Serge Ibaka catches the ball he still can't really shoot very well you know they got to decide what they do with PJ Tucker who guarded LeBron he did well in round one um, against the Bucks. but they've got money they got money lined up will they go with the youngsters will they go with the likes of Delon Wright and Siakam will they let Lowry go to the west coast um, there's decisions to yeah. be made and it's kind of like how how far away are you from Cleveland? You, you you took you won two games in a conference finals last season. You've gone out around earlier. Yes, the standings have a have something to say about that. Um, but I think there's going to be changes. As Jury wants a different culture, he wants a different way of the offense being run. That means Dwayne Casey's job yeah. might be up. So there's there's a lot. There's I think Casey. I, I think Dwayne Dwayne Casey has to go. I mean, 
not maybe because not as the victim, or, but you, I think it's time for change. Obviously, the the, Ro- the Rosen contract is is there, and there's not much you can do about it. Um, but I do think that you look, you know, at the at the Bucks, and obviously, um, you know, the Bucks lost against the Raptors. But if I'm if you look at a Raptors fan and you look at a Bucks fan, I think there's much more yeah. excitement about being a Bucks fan because you have all those young players um, right now coming up that are really, you know, every game are like, wow, he's getting better. And I don't really think you can say that about DeRozan or Lowry. I think no. they've, they've hit their peak. They've hit their stride. Um, Dwayne Casey, I think, has done all he can do with his batch of players. His offense is um, stale. Casey's offense is right. stale. He can't make big changes in big moments. Lowry's 32 next season. DeRozan's offense yeah. is predictable. However, however good you think DeRozan is, he can't shoot the three. No, I think, and I it, think it, Lowry very predictable. and DeRozan are, are great players, but I don't, you know, I don't think that they're anything better than you know all, reserve all-stars who... Um, who you know they're good players. I think it's it's uh, it's time to maybe change things up. But um, the thing I wanted to was honestly the most excited about talking with you. And I don't know if you were going to get to it or not. That's why I'm bringing it up and I'm playing quickly the role of the host. Go for it. Because that's something that I've been very passionate about for so many years. I'm one of the biggest Doc Rivers haters in the world. You can <laughs> find me writing about it in like middle school in blogs. Um, when he was even with the Magic, I used to say it. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure someone like you has been following all the Ray Allen uh, KG stuff that's been on YouTube and on KG's um, site and, and Glenn uh, Baby Davis, who made the comments about Doc Rivers. And I was just reading the Glenn Baby comments before I came on the show with you. And a lot of people hate on Glenn Baby, and I, I have too in the past, but some of the things that he said about Doc Rivers were 100% spot on. Uh, and I really am getting tired of the Doc Rivers love and uh, no one really really calling him out for it. Yes, Austin Rivers has, has become a good player, but all the shady things that have gone around there, the great team that he's had in terms of on paper that any other coach in, in the league would love to have that kind of player, um, he has to go. Chris Paul, I think, needs to go and make a change because they're not going to – Forget winning the title. They're, they're struggling to win a series with this group of players. Chris Paul will uh, take Blake the money. Griffin. Chris Paul will get the max. Yeah. He'll stay in LA. I think Look. Griffin's the one who needs to go and find a different scene if he wants to be any. Yeah. If he wants to achieve anything. You need to go and read uh, Kevin Olivitz did a great piece on the Clippers a few weeks ago when they were in that Jazz series, just talking about the culture and how it's just okay. You know, it's just okay. They. They don't hate each other, and Griffin and Paul, who had big differences in the past, they closed those gaps this season, and Griffin learned to say, okay, not yes, but to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's very controlling. He's like a big bully. DeAndre Jordan is a very funny, relaxed, childish kind of guy, and Griffin's lifestyle, he's shy, he's quiet. So those three, the big three, because they're so different, it's just never felt right. And with Doc Rivers there, making the moves he's done in the role he's got, and Come on, if Paul Pierce is still playing minutes and you haven't been able to find an extra guy, to, to you know, I know they've had injuries, right? But if Paul Pierce is yeah. playing that many minutes, then you've clearly not done your job. So I think, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think, I just think, you know, Doc Rivers is one of those guys that is going to get fired before the big three trade. Uh, was I think like won twenty four games? I think I don't. Know, I'd love for you to check that uh, if you can. Once something like. A small, small amount of games was really an average coach with Orlando uh, before he came. 
And suddenly he got the big three and he won that title in 2008. Um, and that kind of is what he lives off of. I mean, he's extremely underachieved with the Clippers. He has the power of uh, the personnel. You know, he's deciding the players. They gave him so much power. There's this new owner after all the Sterling uh, drama. And it's kind of like, okay, if I'm Steve Ballmer, I'm kind of like, okay, I bought the team for a lot of money, right? Um, you know, okay, well, you know, what's next? I mean, we couldn't even win a playoff series, and we're, we're talking about being contenders for, for a ring. Um, I think Chris Paul, for me, you know, I enjoyed watching him the most. Um, back in the day when he was with New Orleans, and him and David West were, were playing together. To me, I enjoyed that way more um, than DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. I think those, those games in the NBA playoffs, where him and David West were just going at it. That was vintage Chris Paul. Yeah, he's put up the numbers and the assists and the points in his time with the Clippers, I think since 2011, but I think it's time for him for a change. I don't. The question I really think is interesting is where. San Antonio um, would be a nice fit. It, it's, where, yeah, I mean, it's if Paul wants yeah. to, you know, some guys, Al Horford didn't, want, didn't take the Hawks off, or he wanted that extra year. It's whether Paul wants to no, stay or think- go. Do you, you really think that he's a guy that Popovich would want? I'm. You look at the guards that that he's had that Popovich has had over the years. I'm not really sure he wants a Chris Paul. Who wouldn't want a Chris Paul uh, though, right? Like if if you've got one of, uh, still one I of the best defensive point guards in the league, Popovich would not want a Westbrook type. But I think Chris Paul would buy in if he knew that he was going to get a ring. Um, just just yeah. last one, man. Before we before we go. Mm. On LeBron James, um, he's already played more career minutes than Jordan, Bill Russell, Scottie Pippen. He's shot better than Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal's best interior season with the Lakers. He's shot a better three-point percentage in this series against the Raptors than Curry's ever done with the Warriors. He's had so much rest, and the guy's just nuts. He has the, the Cavs haven't lost a sorry LeBron hasn't lost a first-round series, uh, an Eastern playoff series sorry since 2010. The question, though, right. and I think the conversation's already started, is do we now compare LeBron and Michael Jordan, and will you do so if he wins a fourth title? So for me, at this point in my time as a basketball fan, I guess you could say, um, no. I, I wouldn't compare to Jordan because I think Jordan is Jordan, and it speaks for himself, and, you know, every NBA Finals he won, and you know, you're talking about a guy who just revolutionized the game in so many different ways, whether it's actual basketball or marketing or getting you know, getting international audience, you know, getting little kids in, in China to wake up in the middle of the night or kids in Israel or kids in, you know, in Saudi Arabia to, to watch the NBA because they wanted to see Michael Jordan play. And obviously LeBron's had a similar-ish effect. But to me, Mike, you know, will always be number one. That said... A couple of years ago, I would have said, uh, you know, I would have said LeBron James is number two. You know, there's a lot of players you could you can name. Um, I'm not even going to name them because so, we could have an argument for years and years and years. But um, I'm willing now to start having the debate with people or the phone conversations of, you know, is he in the top three? Is he the number two best player of all time? Is he number three? Um, how does he compare with the Kareem's and the Magic Johnsons and all these guys? on the Larry Birds and, and, you know, Bill Russell and all these guys. I'm going to actually start talking about besides Michael Jordan. Because I just, I don't know about you. I just don't think that anyone will ever capture him. Um, 
I, I don't you know. Are, are I, you... I hear, I yeah. hear, I hear Charles Barkley saying it's it's pretty dumb that you know LeBron will never crack his top five if he wins another ring. He could go ahead of Kobe or Duncan six and seven. But for me, right? So to me, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Me, ridiculous. I, J- James yeah. is going to be one of the. He could be the leading scorer in all time history. He's going to be top ten in rebounds, assists. One of the greatest statistical players we've ever seen. He might have four rings. He might have five. He he knocked off a team that won 73 games and came back from a 3-1 deficit. He might defeat a Golden State team with Kevin Durant. His I, I don't need to talk about off the off the court. I don't need to talk about the the Jordan brand or you know the fact that Mike was more likable, which doesn't make any sense by the way, because no 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 part of Jordan's career did he show off to be a likable guy. He was a tough character. He was bad, horrible to some of his teammates. James is. But done... he didn't. You know the decision. The decision. Oh, okay, really... but why does that still come into it? We're talking about player to player. Well, James against Jordan. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. But you, you said, uh, you said off the court. You don't but need to talk about it, right? Off the foot. If right, if we just like yeah. Yeah. James made one decision, and I think people mm-hmm. still hold it against him. It seems that he's not as likable as Jordan because of that decision. But he came back to Cleveland. He won a title. He's done so much for that place. And if he beats this Warriors team, and I don't think he will, but if he does, and we can't doubt it, I mean, look at his numbers. Then, and after for 14 seasons, still playing the way he is, never had a serious injury. There's a lot of luck involved with that, but predict, prevention is is key too. The way he plays to this day, he's not regressing. You know, he's going to play 18, 20 years in this league. He's going to have a genuine case at the end of his career. I think. You and I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, I might have argued more viciously, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely possible that that we could um, be talking about it. Also, some of the things, you know, with, with the, the you know when he made the NBA Finals back, um, I don't have it in front of me, but um, you know, in, in his third or fourth year, was like one of the 2007, worst. Two thousand seven, yeah, yeah, that two thousand seven, I think, was it the the, the, the Spurs? Yeah, um, Spurs swept them, but they had a the Daniel were terrible. Yeah, it was one of the worst um, teams to ever make the finals. And LeBron James did it at, like, age 22, you know, carrying an entire team on his back at age 22, which, you know, we, there are players in the NBA, I guess you could say, have done it, but they haven't done it to take a team to the finals. They've done it in the game. They've done it in the week. They've had a great month, but he did it in the playoffs. And I think that's greatness. And I think that uh, it's possible. I think it's possible. But... I just don't think it. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's it's almost like happen, people but... can't, I don't think people, like like yourselves now, I don't think people can give up on, on Jordan, but it, it kind of brings us, right. nice, it, it brings us nicely full circle because at the start of the show, we're talking about the the quality of the playoffs and how, you know, an eighth seed like the Warriors beating Dallas Mavericks years ago could never happen. Well, the Cavs with that team, Larry Hughes, Daniel Gibson, Eric Snow, Drew Gooden, Il- Ilzgauskas, you had... Right. Anderson Verajao on that team. They made it to the finals. Probably wouldn't happen uh, in 2017. But hey, you got to go. I got to go. Uh, we got to watch some NBA tonight. Are you gonna? Are you gonna stay up and watch uh, Celtics Wizards? It's yeah. It's possible. I've been I've been trying to watch uh, a couple of the of of the first quarters. Um, it's hard here. You know, we're seven hours ahead of East Coast, ten hours of West Coast. But we, you know, Israel has very good coverage because of Omri Caspi and deals that we have with NBA providers so we get most games on TV. Um, but we'll see, you know, if, if I miss a game, it's always on a rerun the next day on on, on all day. And, and as a freelance journalist, you 
you kind of make your own hours so you get to watch <laughs> things when you want to. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll try and watch. I mean, the Pacers series I watch every minute, um, which is maybe why I was so biased about them. But I enjoyed the Pacers series. I think they gave them a fight, and I am proud of the Pacers for that. And, uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure coming on. I'm glad I could give my my Doc Rivers spiel because everywhere I go and talk basketball, I have to give my Doc Rivers. I promise uh, we'll do a uh, we'll do we'll do a Clippers breakdown in the summer. But um, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I appreciate. Yeah, Doc, we'll do yeah. it. We'll do we'll do Pacers and Clippers just to make you happy. That will make me very happy. Well, make me very happy. But I appreciate. Always your, a pleasure, uh, man. No, I appreciate your comments, and and we'll check back in with you during the finals. I'm sure. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Thanks to my guest, Raphael Geller. Give him a follow on Twitter, R-A-P-H-A-E-L underscore G-E-L-L-A-R. He talks about football as well, but we'll, we'll let him off for that. He talks a lot of NBA and a lot of sense. So thanks to him for his time. We're going to go over the second round when it's all said and done. The Celtics and the Wizards, game six in a few hours' time. Enjoy that one. And the Spurs and the Rockets. I hope we get a Game 7 because here in the UK, 8.30pm tip-off on Sunday if we do get a Game 7. And then, of course, the conference final start in earnest right after that. So thanks for listening. Again, I'm on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. Please, if you like what you've heard, head on to iTunes, the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. Give me a lovely review. And you can also listen to archived episodes, which include guests I've had on before, Dikembe Mutombo, Adam Silver, Peter King, Mike Breen, And why not about today's as well? We can listen to that again. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you next time. Enjoy the games.